Well, hello there. Welcome to Cavalcade. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Two ducks. A horse and an orangutan. And the other four-letter words were taken. You mean, <laughs> these aren't your cats. Why did I have egg on my fingers? If I had to guess, I'd say two fingers. I can explain. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. You know what? Who comes to shock? What does it take to change a lot? I did the chicken. Is this supposed to burn? Cavalcade is brought to you by Harbor Repertory Theater. My name is Keith Bridges. I'm the Artistic Director of Harbor Rep, and I want to thank you for listening. This is Two Pennies by Graham Bramblin. is a singer-songwriter who has lived and worked out of Nashville since 2018. Prior to that, he was living in the Twin Cities, writing and performing his music. To find out more about him, start at his website, grahambramblett.com. That's G-R-A-H-A-M-B-R-A-M-B-L-E-T-T dot com. Here's a quote he sent me that I like a lot. He says, I really enjoy recording and playing live shows, but at the end of the day, it all goes back to the song. That's what really drives me. The process that begins with nothing and turns into something.
This is Graham Bramblett with his song, Two Pennies. Dunkworth, and I'm running for mayor. Now, before you vote in this upcoming election, I have one question for you. What about Dean Peterson's emails? What exactly is he saying that he doesn't trust the postman to deliver? And who is he emailing? Am I saying it's Russia? No, I am not, but it could be. I'm not really sure how America Online works. Think about that. As your mayor, I don't need to live under the cover of electronic secret. If you need to talk business, you know you can always find me down at the bar at the Applebee's. That's a promise. Also, don't forget this all started because Dean Peterson fired the dog catcher and now there are just too many dogs. That problem isn't going away. And I know for sure they didn't get the email. I'm Billy Dunsworth, and I approve the hell out of this message. of northern Minnesota. A hardier breed of man abandons family and all responsibility to fish on a frozen lake for hours on end. They are the ice holes. <laughs> Episode 2 Lance's Chisholm. I don't think I'll be able to fish Rocky Point tomorrow. Jody and I have parent-teacher conferences. Can't Jody go to it alone? It's not parents-teacher conferences. Yeah, kind of is. Dale Jr.'s been fighting in school, so they want me there. And the other day, they caught him sharpening broken hockey sticks in the shop room to a very fine point. You mean like a spear? Yeah, I think like a spear. I don't know. It's probably one of the things we're talking about. I don't know how you do it. Kids are the worst. No offense. I'm hungry enough to eat an eel pout's asshole. Think Kurt was able to smooth things over with Darlene? He better have. Otherwise, we're going to have to wait another two hours for the grocery store to open up. All right, boys, I brought the snacks. Did you get any of that bobcat jerky? Last pack. Make it last. Here's a 20. That cover it? Your share. Lance. I brought the bait and the beer. You stole the beer from that blue fish house around the bend. Just put it on my tab. It's getting to be a pretty big tab. When I get my pay raise, I'll be good for it. City council has to approve that. Just because your mayor doesn't mean you can raise your own pay. I'd be good for it now if they didn't take Chisup out of my check. Chisup? You got your pay stub. No way. You want my tax returns next? I'm a private citizen. Whatever. We can look up what you get paid. You're a public employee. It's because of that China supplement. Fucking Obama giving our tax money away to those bastards. Is Chisup spelled C-H-I-S-U-P? I think you're paying child support. No fucking way. It just started like four weeks ago, and I haven't given up my baby gravy to any she-devil since last spring. 
you're a dad. It's a damn Chinese. Congratulations, man. I guess there was a reason I bought these cigars. You do know that Obama isn't president anymore, right? It's the deep state being controlled by Obama and Hillary, and as soon as they deport him and lock her up, my checks will be back to normal. No, it's probably just a woman who wants money for the baby you abandoned her with. It's not a deep state, it's biology. I can't be a father. Doc Richardson told me that taking all those pucks to the crotch sophomore year left me sterile. Richardson is an eye doctor. He did look at him when I flopped my sack out in front of everyone at the bar. Wait. He said he wished I was sterile. Yeah, man, you're a dad. Ah, good luck fishing, libtards. I'm out of here. I voted for Gary Johnson. order of business, the recent disappearance of pets and pet food. As you know, Mr. Mayor, the Odegaard's Black Lab Charles disappeared last month. The Ishqua Sheriff was unable to locate him. Since then, four other dogs and approximately 250 pounds of dog food have gone missing from local garages and kennels. What action does your office plan to take? I'm glad you brought that up, Councilwoman Anderson. I, you all know where I stand on women in government, but you're okay. As you know, I've been campaigning for months for a large wall of snow and ice to be built between Ishqua and our neighbors to the north. Canadian immigration is out of control and my sources indicate that the recent disappearances of pets and pet food is another malicious act of illegal Canucks sneaking through our uncontrolled border. Who are these sources? Uh, they've asked me to protect their identities for fear of reprisal from any secret Canadians embedded within the city. Secret Canadians? If we bordered Mexico, this wouldn't be an issue, but here we are. I need $20,000 for construction of the wall. Secret Canadians? Here's the thing about Canadians. They look just like us. Just. Like. Us. And your pet could be next. Sure, it's dogs now, but what if your cat is taken? That's a crude and personal statement designed to rattle my emotions. You leave Princess Snowball out of this. Just saying, $20,000. <sighs> Treasurer Kinsley. Discretionary spending in the city budget is $1,400 annually. We are currently carrying a $4,300 surplus from past years. With a full commitment of available funds, we could build the wall within 11 years. That's too late. There won't be a dog or cat left in this town. Imagine your jobs taken by low-rent Canadian workers. Your kids learning that Z is called Zed. Napkins labeled as servettes. People apologizing after cutting you off in traffic. With all due respect, our only border protection is Agent Steve Gunderson, who semi-retired and spends most of his time whittling. And he's here right now. Who's watching the border? You asked me to come testify on your behalf, Lance? So, no one is watching the border crossing? When I step out, they usually wait 45 minutes or so, long as I put up my back soon sign. This is why we need the ice wall. This council can authorize four more hours of work per week for Agent Gunderson. Fine. Give me the 1400 bucks for gas and provisions and I'll plow it up myself. I'll open this issue for discussion. First, I'd like to make a request to the council. You're out of order, Mr. Mayor. You're out of order, taking money from the paycheck of an American civil servant to fund the Chinese. Who in Obama's deep state got to you? Excuse me? You started taking the China supplement for my check four weeks ago. Read it right here on my pay stub. C-H-I-S-U-P. Chisholm. Let's clear the room for a private discussion, please. No, I want everyone to hear what you've been up to. As you prefer. 
That stands for child support. We were ordered by Ontario Magistrate Brown to deduct that from your check pursuant to Ontario provincial law and an agreement between the magistrate and district court judge Roberts in International Falls. The Canadians, they want to stop the wall. They'll never stop the wall. Build the wall! Build the wall! This was Ice Holes, Lance's Chisholm, written by Zachary Olson and Robert Burrill, performed by Robert Burrill, Keith Bridges, Zachary Olson, Tiffany Norton, James Stanley, and yours truly, Raina Kay, directed by Robert Burrill. All men are prisoners of circumstance, Charlie says. It just so happens my circumstance is prison. He says, I've been in Menard, Joliet, Tams, Marion, just about every kind of city jail and county lockup there is. First arrest for trespassing, second for slinging weed, then a bogus B&E charge. During that particular stretch, I learned how to B and to E for real. Yeah, if the state of Illinois has invented a way to hold a man, they've held me that way, and I aim to keep it so. Charlie tugs at the starchy collar of his prison blues. It's hot in the cell. Anyhow, he goes on, last time I spent any length on the outside was 11, 12 years back. Did a whole eight months, true straight arrow shit. For a woman, of course, but I did love that woman. So much so that when she came up pregnant, I knew we'd need a bankroll, so what do I do? One more job. He interrupts himself before the question can settle. I talked to an old colleague of mine, guy who called himself Julio despite being whiter than me, he said he knew of a poker game in the back office of a warehouse. High roller shit. More important, he knew some details about their security. If me and my old running buddy Jasper was to go all in with a pair of 45s, Julio would take a 10% dealer's cut and I'd be rolling in house money. Charlie shakes his head and mutters, I knew something was wrong, too, when we was sneaking in. It's too quiet in there. Nobody plays poker so quiet. And nobody was playing poker. None of them was doing anything anymore, ever again. Somebody else got there first. Had been eight, maybe nine guys in the back room, Charlie almost whispers. Hard to tell because bits of them was scattered all over. I mean, all over. There was bits of them stuck to the ceiling. I won't never forget that. A nine of clubs plastered up there by a chunk of skin. Blood dripping from the ceiling, blood running down the walls. He says, there was four other guys in the room now, all middle-aged and professional looking. They all wore snappy uniforms like the Maytag man from those old commercials, but red with an official little hat. Spots cleaning was embroidered in big letters on the back. Two of these guys were scooping whatever was left up of the poker players into a stainless steel tub. Next to the tub, they had a whole wet bar's worth of cleaning chemicals on this rolling cabinet. Another red uniform guy was squeegeeing splatter off the wall. The fourth one sat on the sticky floor, counting out stacks of bloody money into tidy rows. Charlie shakes his head when he remembers. Jasper was so startled, he staggered right into the room with his pistol up. Never even saw the fifth spots cleaner guy until the guy had Jasper's gun arm broke. The spots cleaning man dragged him out of sight into the corner. I remember Jasper saying, who the hell are you? Then I heard the guy say, we clean up the little details. Jasper started screaming, and I knew then that we was two little details ourselves. I backed down the hall. I almost made it out the door before one of the spots cleaning guys saw me. I was wearing nylons on my head, but he looked me right in the eye, and he waved. I turned tail and split with them right on my ass. Forgot I was still holding the pistol, which is what the cops pinched me for when they picked me up half a mile away. Parole violation.
Back to the joint. I asked around when I got back on the inside. Charlie says, nobody heard of no poker game massacre. Never heard nothing about Jasper, neither. Those spots guys took care of all the details. Well, Charlie says, I got out four years later. First thing, I went to visit that woman and that child I'd never seen before. I'm standing on her block in my one pair of civic clothes, holding everything I own in this brown paper grocery sack, just working up the nerve to go knock. And then I noticed the red van parked across the street from the apartment. Spots cleaners. Two middle-aged guys in the cab, just watching the front door. I turned tail then. I found a cheap hotel just to buy some time to think. I can't sleep. I'm just thinking, thinking. But goddamn, if I don't look out the window the next morning and I see two guys there in red uniforms with those official little hats, talking to the desk clerk in the front office. I jumped out the bathroom window. Second story, so I twisted my ankle, but that didn't stop me from running into the gas station next door and yelling, this is a robbery, I've got a gun, which I didn't, but it hurried the cops along, just like I was calling me a cab back home to jail. I got close to parole last year, so I broke a guard's nose, Charlie said. Guess I'll do it again eventually. I ain't taking my chances out there. I'm not going to be one more little detail for them spots boys to clean up, whoever the hell they are, whatever the hell they are. Charlie laughs again. There's no joy in it. He's just trying to clear the air. And in this little cell, there's not much joy or air. <laughs> anyway, Charlie says, since we're going to be roommates here for a piece, you might as well tell me what it is that brought you here. I try not to smile. I'm just so excited for the look on his face when I tell him I'm in the cleaning business. The Recidivist. Written and performed by Brian Miller. Well, there goes another tree. We're not going to have many left now. Not if Billy Dunsworth gets his way. If you ask me, your current mayor, Dean Peterson, I think conducting business via email is a great way to protect nature, to protect the very trees we need to breathe. Perhaps Billy should dial up a concern for the environment. But no, Billy's too busy spinning tales of collusion to think about how devastating it would be for our beautiful town to go back to paper. What else is going to convert carbon dioxide into oxygen, Billy? Certainly not your two DUIs. I'm Dean Peterson, and if you leave the dogs alone, they'll leave you alone. Hi, Keith Bridges here again. Before we finish up, I wanted to ask, if you are willing and able, please help us out with a donation. Anything you can do will make a difference. Just go to cavalcadepodcast.com and click on the button that says, please support the show. Your support is what will keep the show going. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yeah. You stuck? No, I'm all right. You look like you're thinking really hard about something. No, I'm... Actually... Roger... 
Have you ever thought about having an affair? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, no. Not really. No. Define not really. Um, I've never seriously considered it. Why? Never? Yeah. How long have you and Caleb been married? 25 years. Uh, be 25 this April. And you've never seriously thought about having an affair? I mean... Uh, passing thought, you know, or two. Nothing more than that. Was it about anyone I know? Yeah. Was it me? Uh, all right, when we first met. Yeah, but mm -hmm. again, it, 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 it was a very brief, very passing thought. <sighs> yeah, I've thought about you too. You did? Yeah. Why didn't you ever say anything to me about it? Because I'd never do something like that to Kayla. What if she'd been okay with it? <laughs> oh. Whew. No, uh, my wife, she would never be okay with me sleeping with another woman. Um, especially not you. Why not me? You've always intimidated her. <laughs> me? Really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Are you sure she'd never be okay with you sleeping with another woman? I am very sure. Well, how do you know? Have you asked her? No. Then you don't really know for sure, do you? Okay, no, I guess I don't. Where are you going with this? Why haven't you ever asked her? I don't know, because why would I? Because you were contemplating an affair. I was not contemplating an affair. It was a passing thought. I just thought you were beautiful. That's really as far as I ever got with it. You thought I was beautiful? Yeah, I did. And then I got to know you and I got over it. Oh, you're not nice. <laughs> what? Um, nothing. Okay, why did you ask me if I'd ever thought of having an affair? No reason. No, that's not the kind of question you go around asking people for no reason. Oh. Well, I guess I was just curious. And you've, you've um, thought about us before? Really? Yeah, I have. A couple of times. And did you ask John if he'd be okay with it? Yeah, I did. You did not. And was he? No, not at all. See, it's not the kind of question you ask your spouse. Yeah, but at least I know for sure now. Do you think Kayla has ever thought about having an affair? <laughs> Definitely not. She's, no, she's not that kind of woman. She's very loyal. Have you asked her? No. Why haven't you asked her? Because it's not the kind of question I'd ever ask her. I think you should. Okay. I'll get right on that. Yeah, honey? Dear, yeah, Anne from work wants me to ask you if you've ever contemplated having an affair. Is that what you want me to say? Yeah, that'll work. I really don't think her having an affair is something I ever have to worry about. Hmm. Well, I'm glad. Hey, Roger. Yeah? 
How long have we been friends? I don't know. 20 years. You trust me? Do I trust you? What kind of a question is, what is going on with you today? You're acting really strange. I have to tell you something, and I need you to trust me and not freak out. What? Promise me you're not going to freak out. I promise you I am not going to freak out. What is it? I saw Kayla with someone. When? This past Saturday afternoon. Okay, that's impossible. She was at her sister's. No, she wasn't. All right, a lot of women look like Kayla. You just thought you saw her. Where was this anyway? In my bedroom with my husband. What? Yeah. I walked in on them. And you are just now telling me this? Why didn't you call me immediately? You said you wouldn't freak out on me. Not freaking out. Why didn't you call me immediately? And why aren't you freaking out? Well, because they asked me to join them. You joined them? You said you wouldn't freak out. You and John had a threesome with my wife? She's lovely, by the way. I've never been with a woman before, and... You had sex with my wife? Well, yeah, but I was too nervous to really enjoy it. But next time, I think I'll be able to get more into it. Next time? You really think there's gonna be a next time with my wife? Well, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't there be? She's my wife! You're welcome to join us! Kayla didn't think that you'd be open to it, but I asked her if she'd be okay with me talking to you. We all think you'd like it. A lot, actually. You mean like, like, like the four of us? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Why not? It's just, it's, it's not for me. Well, what if it makes Kayla happy? I thought you said John was against you having an affair. Yeah, he is. Which is why he was there in the first place. It was all part of this role-playing thing where I walked in on them and I, well, John and I have been looking to spice things up. And I mentioned this to Kayla the Sunday before last while we were team teaching Sunday school. She said it sounded like fun. So yeah, she came over on Saturday and we... I don't believe this. What's not to believe? According to her, you haven't touched her in a very long time. And even then, she says it wasn't the most passionate experience. I mean, come on, Roger. What do you expect? I don't expect her to go around having threesomes. Well, then, if you're not going to let her join me and John again, which is a shame, you'd better start being passionate and spontaneous. You better start reminding her of the man that she married 25 years ago. Oh, what? Like, just, just, just go home and start screwing her brains out? Just take her on the kitchen floor? Oh, I bet she'd love that. I I'll cover for you here if you want to head home now. You know what? I think I might. I cannot believe you and John had sex with my wife. And I can't believe that you don't have sex with her more. She's delicious and so eager to please. But, but you go. Have fun. Yeah, don't think covering for me makes any of this okay. All right? Because it's not. Hey, Kayla. Yeah. I did, and he's on his way. <laughs> well, he got really pissed.
Says it's going to screw your brains out and take you on the kitchen floor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no. I started to go the affair route like we had talked about after Sunday school. But I'm sorry. I, I couldn't keep a straight face when he said I intimidated you. I don't, do I? Oh, okay, good. I didn't think so. Where do you think he got that? Anyway, I ended up making up a thing about walking in on you and John as part of a role-playing thing and then joining you with a threesome. No. He believed me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Told him he could join us next time. Yeah. No. No, he didn't take that well at all. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, he should be home soon. Are, are you wearing that lingerie you showed? Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay, okay. Well, you two have fun. Hope it goes well. Mm -hmm. Oh, happy to help. See you at Bible study tomorrow. Her Coworker's Wife by Tiffa Foster. Performed by Patrick Coyle and Rachel Bridges. Directed by Neil Patrick Peterson. Cavalcade is created by artists all over the U.S. and produced in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul by Harbor Repertory Theater. Harbor Rep is Mario Baldessari, Robert Burrell, Rachel Bridges, Elise Cole, Patrick Coyle, Tiffa Foster, Raina Kay, Brian Miller, Zachary Olson, Neil Patrick Peterson, James Utt, and me, Keith Bridges. Check out our website at cavalcadepodcast.net. You can find out more about us, donate to support the show, subscribe or something, I don't know. Or maybe just leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thanks for listening.